Well, good morning. My name is John Agudi, the teaching pastor here. Thanks for being with us here this morning. If you join us online, thanks for hanging out with us via the live stream. It is good to be here with you this morning as we continue our Forward Together series. Pastor Tim did a great job last, with, uh, last week kicking off this series as we really dive back into uh, our mission and our vision. And here at Shepherd's Gate, our mission, as we see it, uh, is that we exist to impact the world with the love of Jesus. And so this series, really, we're looking at uh, kind of a few different uh, focuses. Uh, last month, Pastor Tim uh, kind of unpacked uh, the vision and the, the mission of the church that God has really laid on uh, this church. And, you know, we've heard about that the leaders were, so many leaders were involved in this, but we have to see this as this is also what God has laid on this church. And so what we're going to do with this series is not just see again what this vision is, but now, now that we've seen what this vision is, what does it really look like and how it's going to impact how things are going to happen around this church. And so maybe things might change. <gasps> change. That's like a four-letter word around the church, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, no, Pastor Jim did a great job last week of helping us to see that change isn't always what the scary thing is. Sometimes it's change that we just don't understand or we're not always brought along with it. So we're going to talk about what does that look like, not just for the church, but even in our own personal lives, as we live out our lives, how is this vision going to help us to see how might some things change in us? But also not that we're just going to move forward, but it's not going to be so scary because we're going to move forward together. We have all these people around us that we're going to move forward together in this vision. The other goal with this is that we're going to look at this uh, through the eyes of the fact that we're all so different because we come from different generations. And so we're going to look at this through all these different ways because we come from different generations and different generations have different things that impacted it and uh, different uh, aspects that we kind of view these different things. And, and generations are different. Am I right? right? And you can see that through social media and some of the uh, fights and some of the things that happen through generations. And so we want to really have kind of a clear view of what does this look like from each generation and honestly, I think I have the easiest week out of any of them as we start to dive into the vision. And this week, we're looking at the idea that we want to value everyone we meet. That's the vision that God has laid, part of the vision that God has laid on our hearts. We want to value everyone we meet. And so as we look at these generations, and we start to go, okay, so what are these generations? What do they need when it comes to value? What is it that they need when it comes to love? What, does it come, what do they need when it comes to worth? And so I did some research. I did a lot of research and I spent a lot of time on this. And so traditionalists, I want you to think about this and process this with me. What do you think it is that they need when it comes to love and value and worth? I spent a lot of time on this. Think about it. All right, here's what I came up with. Here's what I came up with. They need to be loved and valued and know they have worth. You think that's fair? You think that's fair? You think that works for them? Okay. All right. Now, baby boomers, we have some of them out there. Okay, thank you. We have a few of you. All right, now, now process this with me. I had to spend some time on this, spend some time to figure out, okay, what is, when it comes to love and value and worth, what is it that they need? Was, here, here's what I came up with. Here's what I came up with. To be loved and valued and know they have worth. You think that's fair? Yeah? Does that work for you, baby boomers? Yeah. Do you get where I'm going? Yeah, yeah, I cheated. Here's what we have. 
Every generation needs the exact same thing, right? To be loved and valued and know that they have worth. That's why I think I have the easiest week when it comes to the generational differences. The reality, we don't really have differences when it comes to this. And if we were all honest with ourselves, while we are so different because of our generations, while we're so different, we're kind of the same. And if we're willing to do this, I call this our emotional shovels, if we're willing to take our emotional shovels out and dig down deep into who we are, into some of the struggles that we have or the issues that we have within ourselves or even in our relationships or even in the struggles that we have in our society, so many times they're rooted into this issue that so often we're just wondering if we're loved, if we're valued, or if we actually have worth in the sight of others. The problem is sometimes we're not willing to ask that question or at least admit that we have those doubts or those fears, those wonders. Or the people that we're dealing with, they're not willing to admit that to us, that what they're really wondering is, do you love me? Do you have value for me? Do I have any worth in your eyes? And here's the thing, if we are filled and we have a world filled with people that are wondering this. We have a world filled with people that are wondering, that need to be loved and valued and know that they have worth. How important is this vision that we have that we are going to value everyone we meet? And so the question just begs to be asked, how are we doing with this? And I don't want you to answer this out loud, but I gotta ask you, how are we doing with this idea of valuing each other as a society, and as a church, and your families, as an individual. And I'm asking you to think about this. How are you doing? Like, really? And remember, I know some of you. <laughs> I'm friends with you on social media. How are you doing? Really? Here's the answer, I don't really know. I don't really know because I could ask every single one of you, how are we doing as a society? How are we doing as a church? How is your family doing? And I could ask you and I could ask the people around you, how are you doing as an individual? And I would get different answers for every single one of those things. So here's what I'm going to ask for each and every one of us to do today, is to be honest with ourselves as we dive into this. Because if, we're, if it's true that every single person in this world needs love and value and worth, this vision of ours, this hope of ours, this goal of ours is so desperately needed that it is worth us asking the real hard question of ourselves and of our church, of our families, of our society, of how are we really, really doing with this? And so I'm gonna ask you to ask yourself that today and really dig down deep. Get uncomfortable with it a little bit. Especially as we dive in and we look at some of Jesus' words when we deal with this today. And maybe that's something different for you today. Maybe you haven't really dealt with a lot of uh, faith life or some of Jesus' words when it comes with this today. But for us, that's what we base things off of. You know, Pastor Jim's a really smart guy. And we have a lot of smart leaders. But for us, if it was just based on them, it's not enough for us. 
we have to always go back to that we think that there's, there's, we know that there's a God and that his words are actually what we base things on. And so while there's a great vision in place put forth by some leaders here, we always go back and we say there is actually a foundation rooted in the Bible. And so today we're going to actually look at something called the great commandment in Christianity. And that's actually where this value this vision of value comes from. And so today, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 22. So in your uh, chair Bibles, they're either underneath your uh, chair or in, uh, if you're in the front row, or if they're in front of you, if you're in the front row, they're underneath you. If you're joining us on the live stream, you can just click on the Bible icon. It'll take you right to it. We're on Matthew chapter 22. That's on page 828 in your chair Bibles. We're actually going to go a few verses before it, and the reason we're going to do that today is because I want us to see where Jesus actually lays down some of his authority before he lays down his law. We're going to look at the great commandment, because I want us you to see where Jesus really opens up about how important this idea of valuing each other is to Jesus, as we kind of contemplate and wonder how well are we doing with this. So I'm going to read to you this, and here's the thing. Jesus was asked some weird questions. He was asked a question about, so uh, say a woman is married to a man, she doesn't have kids, and uh, that means by their laws of the day, she would have to marry his brother so that she could have offspring, she could have uh, heirs, and who is she then married to in heaven? Weird question, right? Some of you are going like, what? What are we talking about that? We're not. Uh, But it was a weird question. Here's what I love about Jesus. He actually takes the time to answer their question But the reason we're going to read about his answer is because he takes the time to actually answer the question. He values them enough to answer it. And then he gives an authoritative answer. He has authority with it. Uh, What I love about this uh, answer as well is I actually know a couple, uh, because his answer is uh, they're not married, nobody's married in heaven. And I know a couple who actually has this inscribed in their wedding bands because it's their way of saying, you got me till we're dead, and that's it. They're, they're a very cute couple. They've been married like 35 years. Uh, it's pretty funny. So uh, here we go. In verse 29, chapter 22, verse 29, it says, But Jesus answered them, You are wrong because you know neither the Scriptures nor the power of God. So he's speaking with authority, right? The power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. For as, uh, as, and as for the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was said to you by God. I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Authority, 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 right? And when the crowd heard it, they were astonished at his teaching. So he lays down his authority, and now here, here's the next part. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment of the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Like I said, what I love about this The first part is he's simply laying down the foundation of his authority. And so the first few verses, like I said, we're not really going to get into all that, but I just love the fact that it says, and when they heard him teach, when they heard it, they were astonished at his teaching. They were astonished at his authority. And I think he handled their question, and he didn't just go, why are you asking me? What is it really? This is what you're dealing with? There are people that need to be healed. There are real issues we need to deal with. And you're worried if she's going to be married at like what? 
Why? Okay, let's deal with this. But what did he do? He knew that this next question was going to come. So he said, let's deal with this. Let's lay down some authority now because there's a question that needs some authority that's going to come right after this. All right? So they were astonished at his teaching. So he's like, okay, I got him. I have him in place because I need them, I need them to know my authority right before I answer this next question. All right? And the next question was, right? they were going to test him. They were going to test him, and they said, what's the great commandment? And without missing a beat, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love the Lord your God with everything that we would say makes up a person. Right? Your heart, soul, and mind. Love the Lord your God with everything. And I love it. And then he answers a question they didn't even ask. And he goes right on, and the second is like it. I think what's interesting here is like it. In the English, we would say, ah, it's like it. You know, it's like it. It's similar to it. It's a, that's not quite what it means here. And so in the ancient Greek, that's what this was originally written in, right? English was not the language of the day. Ancient Greek was what this was originally written in. Uh, and so the word there is homoia. That's the ancient Greek word. So everybody say homoia. homoia. Look at that. Look at how smart you guys all sound right now. Isn't that fun? Isn't that fun? That the word there, that it actually isn't just like, oh, it's similar to it. It's kind of like it. No, he's actually saying the second one that I want you to know, the second one that I'm going to tell you, even though you didn't ask me for it, it's actually of equal rank to it to me. It has equal worth to it to me. Right? It's almost like, so I want to tell you this other one because I can't literally say two things at once. You love God, also love people. It's of equal rank to it, it's equal worth to it. I want you to know this is so important to me. It's like it. It's homoia. It's of rank, equal rank to it, right? So that's, that's why I wanted to teach you that word there. Because it's not just like, oh, it's similar to it. It's kind of like it because it has love in it. No. It has similar rank to it. It's almost like a 1B there. And it's to love your neighbor as yourself, to love people as yourself. And here's the other word that I'm going to teach you, because it's not just like love, like to feel love, right? To have that love and feeling for somebody else. It's agape seis is the word there. So everybody say agape seis. Agape seis. Look at that. Look at all this ancient Greek flying around this place today. Wow. Isn't that exciting? It comes from the word agape. It's an agape type of love. Agape type of love is a love that isn't just a feeling kind of love. It's not a kind of love that's about the other person being worth loving. It's not that they're beautiful enough or um, well-behaved enough or that there's something worthy of them to be loved. It's a love that's a value kind of, a value-giving kind of love. That's the kind of love that Jesus wants us to give to our neighbor. So again, that's why I wanna teach you this word here because that's the word that Jesus chose to use there. Is he saying, love your neighbor in the same way you wish that you were loved, that somebody would love you, not because you deserve it, not because they're trying to get something from you, not even because they're trying to get you to turn around and act better or act different or behave in a different way, simply because they want to give you love. So Jesus teaches here and he says, I'm gonna lay down my authority so that you know, I'm gonna give you my authority, I'm gonna show you that I have the authority to now tell you that at the heart of God is that you would love God, but not just love God, but I care so much that you would love people that I'm gonna place it of equal rank, rank 
with loving God. And here's how you love people. You love them in a value-giving way to where you give them love, you give them value, and you don't expect anything in return. You don't expect them to act different. You don't expect them to behave different. You don't expect them to give you something back. You don't expect anything from them. You just love them like you would want to be loved. So after hearing that from Jesus, I got to ask you again, how do you think we're doing? How do you think we're doing with this idea of valuing everyone we meet? I mean, Jesus raises that bar pretty high. And honestly, after hearing from him, and hearing where his heart is with it and how passionate he is with it, that he places it at equal to loving God. I mean, really, it's kind of his way of going, like, the way you would love God in this world is to, like, show it by loving each other. I go, I don't know how good we really are at it. I think we can always push ourselves to do a better job. If he's that passionate about it, we could always do a better job. And I think the other reason we struggle with doing a very good job at it is because honestly, in this world, we struggle because everyone is so different. I mean, look around this room, everyone is so different. And then if you go outside of this room, you look at our community, you look at the places around us, you look at our world, everyone is so different. I mean, if you look at our backgrounds and the things that we grew up with and the generations, but also the backgrounds and the things that we've struggled with in our past and all those things that we have, I mean, we all have so many differences. We all have so many things that make us so different in the way that we view things, the way that we interpret things, our ideas on how to fix things, our ideas on how things, why things are broken. I mean, that's got to be interesting for a church that now wants to go out there and value, right? We're all so different. How are we going to work together when we're all so different? And then how are we going to go out there and impact a world that's so different? We're all so different. And add on top of that, a lot of these things are good different. Let's be real. We're all messed up different, aren't we? We all have a lot of messed upness in this room. All of our lives have taken messed up left turns. Each and every one of us have sins and mistakes and struggles in our lives. Every single one of us are messed up. And often what happens is we use those messed up differences to separate us from each other. But here's what I want to do with us today is instead of pointing out those things to say here's what, that's what separates us, I actually want to say I think that's actually what makes us the same. You see, the reality is even though our messed upness looks different, it's our messed upness that makes us the same. 
Because you're messed up, and I'm messed up, and he's messed up, and she's messed up, and the world's messed up, and we're all messed up. And the funny thing is, we're all pretending that we're not messed up. <laughs> While we're all terrified that everybody's going to find out that we're messed up. I don't know how many people I've talked to that are like, oh, I'm just so messed up, and everybody else isn't messed up. And I'm like, but I just talked to them, and they're all afraid of the same thing. And if we would all just start to be real with each other and be honest with each other, that while we're all so different, we're really all the same. And the amazing thing is that when Jesus gave this command, when Jesus came to, gave this command to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind, and the second is like it, homoia, right? The second has same rank and worth. He didn't say, and you, you, the ones, the few that have it all together, shall love your neighbor as yourself. He didn't do that, did he? He said, you, all of you messed up people, go love the other messed up people. Because that's what they need. Because they're wondering. They're wondering. Am I loved? Am I valued? And do I have worth? Because here's the thing that we're all struggling with, right? We, we're all struggling and wondering the same things. So I wonder how are we doing with this? And the truth is, I, I'm not a map maker in this, meaning that I haven't reached the other side of valuing everyone, and I'm up here telling you, Here's what you need to do because I still struggle. And so I'm really just on the journey with you to say, how can we get better and what can we do? And so if you have ideas, man, we want to keep working at this together. I mean, just recently, I, I recognized a time where I could have done so much better. I was actually going to pick up my youngest son, Ethan, from Latchkey, and he loves Latchkey because it's after, uh, he's a very structured preschool program he goes to, and Latchkey is one of those times where it's not structured at all. And he doesn't get a lot of time there, and I went to go pick him up. And uh, I used to just go like, hey, Ethan, it's time to go. And he goes, no. And he, and he goes back to building his Lego masterpieces. And so I figured out well, I have to actually go over to him and lean over and go, oh, Ethan, that's a great Lego masterpiece. How about we save it for tomorrow? And, and so I was just uh, heading over to do that the one day, and I started to lean over and go, wow, Ethan, that's a great Lego and he leaned, he started, turned over to me, had this big old grin on his face. And he goes, hey, dad, now, if you don't know this about me, I'm a single dad of three boys full-time on my own already. Keep that in your back of your mind. And he turned around and he goes, hey, daddy, I want a sister. <laughs> and I went, hey, Ethan, No. And he goes, but daddy, I like girls. <laughs> and I said, now I've noticed there's some teachers around me, and honestly, was just going for a cheap laugh, and I went, well, that relieves daddy. <laughs> now, when I got my truck after that, I started to think about what I had done. 
I actually have a really good relationship with that preschool and his latchkey and with all of his teachers. And they know I'm a pastor. And I don't know about you, but the church world and the Christian world, we don't always have the best reputation of being loving and non-judgmental and compassionate. And the picture that I painted that day was that I was worried about my son in a way that maybe I wouldn't have a relationship with him if he didn't like girls. That's not true. I love my son. I'll always love my son. What did I do that day? I went for a cheap laugh because I was more worried about inflating my ego than investing in the value of my relationships with the people around me. And so something that I've realized is I have to do a better job of actually paying attention to the people around me and the comments that I make and not just going for a cheap laugh. Because even though, and we laughed, we thought it was cute and funny, but that wasn't worth maybe the damage that I did to some of my relationships I did that day. Because I don't know now that they'll come to me and have a conversation because maybe they'll think, oh, see, he's just going to judge me. Or he's not going to want to talk to me because I don't think the way he does. Or he was going to not talk to his son. Or he wasn't going to, you know what I mean? That's some of my messed upness. And where I'm still struggling to figure this out. And I bring that up to say, look, we're all on this journey. And where can we continue to get better? And so... I don't know if these questions are going to help you or not, but these are some of the questions I'm trying to ask myself as I walk through this journey, is am I watching every word I say, and not as a way to beat myself up, but just to kind of think about what are the words I'm saying and what do they mean? Am I aware of every place I'm in and the person that I'm impacting? And am I inflating my ego or am I investing in their value? Because if it's true that we're in a world that is filled with people that are asking the question, am I loved, am I valued, I know that I have worth. If every generation has the same need that we said before, this value has to be so important that we have to be willing to set aside building up our egos every now and then trying to prove that we're right every now and then, getting that cheap laugh every now and then, whatever it is that we're going after every now and then. Because we have generation after generation after generation, person after person after person, who just needs to know that they're loved and that they're valued and that they have worth. Because while we're all so different, and while we're all so messed up, that's what makes us all the same. And maybe you're sitting there and you're still struggling, and you're still wondering. Maybe you're still saying, I don't know, I, I still feel so different. I still feel so different. I don't know that there's something that will close that chasm. And you're just saying, well, we're all still messed up and that's what makes us the same. Or maybe for you, it's still saying, well, they're still so messed up and I don't know that we'll ever be the same. 
There's one more thing that makes us the same. There's another chasm that was between us and God. And God sought to close that. There was a separation there. And so he sent his son. He sent his son to close that, to die for us, to pay that price, to cover over that messed upness, to make up for our mistakes, to make up for where we fell short. And those were sins and those were mistakes that we didn't even ask for help with. We didn't even know that we had made mistakes and we had messed up with some things that we still don't know that we're making mistakes with. Some things that we still don't understand that we're asking for help with. And yet he came and he covered over that mistake and those mistakes and those sins. And he's covering those up over and over and over. And he's giving us value and love and worth, that agape kind of love and value and worth that continues to pour into each and every person in this room and each and every person in this entire world. See, that is actually what makes us even more the same. That that love and that value of Jesus pours into each and every person in this entire world. That, that my friends, makes us the same too. And so if you're in a place right now and you're wondering, am I really the same? Are they really the same? When it says for God to love the world, there wasn't an asterisk by it. It includes you, and it includes them. And yet we still have a world that walks around asking the question, am I really loved? Reminds me of a phone call I just had from someone who struggles with guilt and shame, and oftentimes they'll call and they'll confess and they'll share things with me, Oftentimes they'll call a second time right after to make sure that they can call me again because that's how their brain works. And they'll want to make sure that they didn't tell me too much, that, they'll, that I'll talk to them again a week later, another week later. But just a couple weeks ago, their second phone call was different. It wasn't, Pastor John, can I talk to you again? It was this. They, they called and I picked up the phone expecting to hear that. But this time it was, it was Pastor John. Pastor John, do you still love me? You have a whole wide world of people who are walking around wondering, just wondering, do you still love me? Now they're afraid to pick up the phone and ask. But I got to ask you, church today, you've heard the words of Jesus. You've heard the declaration that it's true that we have a God who has sent his own son for you to show you your love and your value and your worth? Are you willing to be the ones that answer that phone call for the world? In a world that's filled with excuses of why we can't tell them we love them or why we can't be the ones that do it or, or the ones with the ulterior motives or a world filled with excuse after excuse after excuse. Will you be the ones that are willing to finally be the yes, 
to finally be the yes to a world who is dying to just know that they have love and they have value and they have worth. Because family, church, so our God has called us to be. So church, will you be the yes? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving us first. Thank you for calling us together. Thank you for giving us your command and your vision to value everyone we meet in a real and a powerful way. God, walk with us every single day as we seek to do that, God, and where we mess up, where we don't do it right. God, give us the courage to pick back up and to try it again the next day. Give us the power and the ability to say we're sorry, to try and do it again the right way. Because, God, this world needs it. God, we need it. The people around us need it. God, the world needs us to be the yes to that question that they are still loved and they are valued and they have worth. God, you are so good to us. God, help us to be good to the world around us. God, thank you for loving us first and being gracious to us in so many good ways. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we please stand? Now, as you seek to go be that yes, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace and his strength and his words and his patience and his endurance to go and to be that yes. Amen? Yeah. Amen. We'll see you next week.